<laughs> well, hello there. I'm Karen Sander. You are listening to Aging Fearlessly, a program for the over 50s, those uniquely wonderful baby boomers. My aim is to educate, motivate and inspire you to embrace the exciting journey of life for decades to come. So stay tuned to meet a variety of guests who will share their stories and passions to help us gain insight into the ways to live a happier, healthier life. Can you hear all right? Yep. Welcome everyone again. My guest has one foot in New Zealand and the other in Australia. And of course, for that reason, whenever talent comes out of New Zealand, us Aussies want to make a claim. She is a multi-award winning singer-songwriter and an inspiration who has travelled the world, delighting audiences wherever she goes. And she's, her name is Ali Cook. So welcome, Ali. We met by chance on Saturday and I'm absolutely ecstatic that you've driven all the way from the Blue Mountains back to Terry Hills this afternoon. <laughs> Thanks so much. It's great to be on the show. And, uh, well, I've come a lot further than that, but, but today it's from, uh, from the Blue Mountains, yep. Gee, you must have a wide leg span, one in <laughs> New Zealand and one in Australia. It's great that you can actually step over the ocean like that. Well, I, I just say it's a movie and a coffee away, you know. Ah, oh, it is, actually. I've not thought of it like that. Yeah, no, that's how I think of it. Or you could snooze and snore. <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you could do that too, but it might be embarrassing with the people next door to you. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, so um, I'm a, obviously a female singer-songwriter from New Zealand. I'm a mother of three. Uh, I'm an entrepreneur. I uh, work as an event manager, publicist, a tour coordinator, but I've been... You're not doing much. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I've managed to keep my hand in the entertainment industry, either in, on the stage or off it, um, in one sh- way, shape, form or another. You know? So obviously to do that, you really love it. I do, I do. I've always loved the entertainment industry and um, and working in all facets of it, you know. So how did you get started in entertainment? Um, okay, so, I mean, I right at the very beginning, of course, singing. So as a child, I learned classical piano. My father was an opera singer with the Guildhall School of Music in London and a concert violinist as well. Um, Not and much so, talent there. Yeah, <laughs> so... <laughs> So and then he, although he retired from doing that after World War Two, really, um, he had me late in life. So I'm a 1963 baby. So I'm just inside the baby boomer era. You are. Uh, I'm well so, inside. <laughs> so 56 this year. 56. Um. That was the year I was born. 56. <laughs> so you're the same age as my brother then. Um, so yeah. So. Uh, yeah, so that was, you know, so musical start, always had music around the house. Dad actually built, as I grew up, he, he built stereos for people. So mm. there was always music really loudly played as he was testing speakers that, you know, that he'd had the cabinet maker build and he'd loaded up the speakers in them and he'd, he'd put in people's big hi-fi systems where they were embedded into people's walls and things like that. So he was very talented and loved yeah, he music. Was a, yeah, he's an electronics engineer. So, um, yeah, so that was it and he loved music as well. So I, I grew up with you know the sounds around the house and that might be listening to the Mikado or it might be listening to Glenn Miller Band or it might be listening to Glenn Campbell or Ella Fitzgerald or you know any any number of stuff he had a wide genre of material that he liked as well which probably made me eclectic 
you know. Yeah, and I think that's fantastic because some people just go, well, I'm just going to be a pop singer or I'm just – but to be interested in so many different genres yeah. is really awesome. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess that was um, – I guess that was the start really and then uh, – and then I think I first sung in a pub when I was about 15. I remember being snuck in by this. He was a sea captain that was a saxophone player and he, he really heard me he heard me sing somewhere and he and he took me into a into a pub and snuck me in underage and you just stand in the corner if the cops come in, go stand in the toilet. <laughs> Instead of getting busted, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he used to sing Wednesday Night Jazz. That was the start of what I did with him. You mentioned one of my favourite instruments to the saxophone. Yeah. Oh, it not only looks brilliant, but it, it sounds amazing. Some yeah. of the sounds that come out of a sax yeah, are just... It's, it's very sexy sax. It, it is, sexy sax. It's, it's fantastic. And, um, yeah, so, I mean, that was the jazz start. So I had the, you know, Wednesday night jazz. They used to sneak me into the Hotel Nelson, and that was the, the beginning of playing live. Yeah. Mm. So, um, and here in Australia, so you're here at the moment for? Yeah. So I'm, I'm releasing my new album, Caught in the Middle. So this is my now my third studio album, uh, which I have recorded in Australia, um, with actually just up the road here from uh, from the Northern Beaches Radio, in fact. I, I uh, read yes, that. Yeah, so in Asquith, um, with Buzz and Kay Bidstrup, who are founding members of Ganga Jang, and Buzz was the original drummer, from the Angels, so um, yeah, so we connected in Gympie, I think, in 2013 when Buzz was there uh, playing with Don Walker, and um, that's when we first connected, and uh, and then it's gone from there. I went out into the um, he he was also uh, CEO of the Uncle Jimmy's Thumbs Up uh, program that works with Indigenous children. So mm-hmm. I got the opportunity first to go out with him and to Modajulu. Uh, out by Uluru and uh, work with the Indigenous kids with music and teaching music and, um, you know, teaching healthy eating through music. What a beautiful thing to do. Yeah, so I kind of really liked doing that and then we wrote our song, first song together out at Uluru and then that was the beginning of, I would call into his and Kay's place every time I came over for a festival and we'd start writing. That was about three years ago. There must be a lot of inspiration when you're out in a place like Uluru. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, that's that. I, I just love that beauty of that land. And I, I mean, I come from New Zealand and obviously it's a beautiful place. It's a small Pacific island and, and you know, very picturesque, mm. lots of different landscapes. Um, but here has that vastness and that ancientness, you know, of hundreds of thousands of years of you know, just being, and um, you really do feel it when you go to places like Uluru and you go to the Kimberley and stuff. It's really, um, you know, you can feel the ancientness of the of the vibe of the area. And one of the things that I was going to talk ask you about was the you, your passion for those ancient lands. Yeah, well, they led me to write uh, Kimberley, which I wrote on my second album, Horseshoe Rodeo Hotel, and. That song ended up getting used by East Kimberley Tourism on a television ad for, for the for the region. And yeah, again, it was easy to write because it was that whole feeling that you that you that you get. And I tried to evoke that feeling in the song. Um, so yeah, that, you know, a lot of the grey nomads save their early years and end up in retirement, travelling around places like the Kimberley and Uluru, yeah. and discovering the real beauty, which many of us 
as and when we're younger don't go we see oh, Europe and Asia and we, we yeah. but everything at our doorstep is so magnificent same in New Zealand I mean yeah. I've traveled New Zealand I've, yeah in 76 I hitchhiked around New Zealand oh, you didn't do on. that in those days did you yeah. like I mean you, we well, you did I, one <laughs> one bus ride was the only bus ride and it was I think from Murchison to I'm going to say Westport. Oh, right. Yeah. Because we just could not, not far from me at all as the crow flies. We just could not get a ride. Right. So we had to get a bus for some. Anyway, it was right. just one of those places yep. anyway. But it was so I spent $18 on a bus fare. Right. Um, and that was the only money we spent on actual travel around yeah. New Zealand. The rest well, it's of a little it we bit. did by the thumb. I guess the distances are a bit shorter there. That's the other thing, whereas here the distances are so great, you know, and that, I think that's one of the things that people don't go out there. I mean, often I'll say to people in the crowds where I'm playing, you know, how many put your hands up if you've been to the Kimberley and you'll be in a room of 200 people and there'll be like five hands go up. And the know? scenery uh, is so magnificent and, you know, I'm learning more about it because I've got friends that are doing a lot of travel and yeah. I have another friend who does some flying doctor dentistry all up around that way. And so I've seen a lot of photos now. Yeah. Um, I've really only made it down south in WA and yeah. round uh, out to Wave Rock. Yeah. But getting up some of those other places up around Ningaloo and all those magnificent yeah. places. Yeah. There's just it's lots of it. stunning. So I can understand why you have a passion for those yeah, places. Yeah, so I just find it inspiring for songwriting, you know. So the first song that I've chosen, well, you've chosen um, today is We Hold Up Half the Sky. Tell me about that song, where the inspiration, what album? So that, so that is on the latest album and it's, it's not a single but it's an album track and I figured seeing as you weren't a purely country show because generally I'm in the country music genre but this album is very diverse and there's more in the blues genre uh, that's there and this is like a woman empowerment song so it's something that I I like to do and I guess being a late starter doing my first album at 47 years of age um, I've been pleased that I know that I've inspired others to follow their goals as well with music and mm-hmm. women who perhaps thought that they were too past it to be able to put music out but that's not the case um, and so you know, I love that that woman empowerment thing, and it doesn't matter whether whether you're a woman on a dirt floor with a baby, or whether you're a woman in a cafe in New York with lots of money. We still hold up whatever we're doing. Women hold up the sky, and I think I think women are the way of the future. Actually, I think mm, I women think... will truly will truly take things forward. I hope they do. Yeah, you know? I, I agree there. Yeah, let's uh, listen to this song.
to Radio Northern Beaches 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. My guest in the audience today is Ali Cook, who is a singer-songwriter from New Zealand, just across the ocean there. And um, Ali, women, I think, often find as they age that they become and feel invisible. Is this something you've experienced and how do you deal with it? Not if I can possibly help it. Um, <laughs> I, I, I don't like to be invisible at all. And I, I can understand women feeling that way because, um, you know, it, is, it can be a bit of an ageist world out there, but I think that's changing. And I like to think that, that we should, you know, still reach for goals. We've still got, we've still got plenty to offer and um, we should be offering that. Yeah, I guess my my theme in life, my, what I'm doing with Aging Fearlessly, is trying to encourage people, women in particularly, to, to get inspired, like your song, yeah, and follow their dreams, you know, get yeah. out there and do things because you don't have to, you don't have to buy into the numbers. Yeah, no, you don't have to. I, I think the interesting thing is when I when I think about it being a woman in the music industry, you know, when I got to 30, I was really worried, you know, like, oh, no, oh, no. And, like, 40, I was really worried. And then when I got to 50, I was kind of like, you know what? I don't actually care what anyone else thinks about the fact that I'm 50. Yep. Like, I actually really like my 50s. I really like them. I, I feel much happier in my 50s than I did in my 40s, actually. Cause That's I a feel, common theme. Yeah, because I feel like, you know what, I'm, I've got this far. I've lost a few friends along the way who haven't been fortunate enough to make it as far through life as I have, you know, with with diseases and illnesses and things like that. So I've, I'm really thankful uh, for actually being here, and I, I'm sort of over the over the worrying about my age now. I don't worry about it anymore. Yeah, there's something uh, really lovely about their 50, your 50s. I mean, I, I think a lot of things happen and change and, and suddenly you do come into your own. And there's kind of a groovy feeling about being a bit of an elder too. Like in New Zealand we refer to it as a komatua in Māori, which is like a uh, you know an elder. And so you're seen as a more wise person to ha- perhaps ask questions of from other people who are younger, and so I like that. I like, I like that kind of feeling of yeah, being a bit of an elder. I think some women who have spent a lot of time raising children, and then leave even their husbands or their partners, and and that's a common thing in their fifties. Yeah. I think sometimes they feel a little bit invisible and and are trying to get out there and and re-establish their lives. Yeah. And, and some people just need that encouragement to really just give it a go, Have give it a go, anything a go. You've given your music a go at 47, writing yeah. an album. Yeah, and it's- so now up to album number three at um, 56, and I had no... I had no financial I, – I crowdfunded. So, like, I had no financial, um, you know, backing to do that. I, I did it via crowdfunding. And so I showed that you, you don't have to have money or anything. You can you can just do the crowdfunding. And, uh, is, is, I, yeah. Is crowdfunding a scare? I've never done it. How do you do it? Okay, so I did it on my first album. For example, I raised uh, 20,000 US from 256 people. It took me four months and eight days to do it. 
And uh, that was really the kind of heyday of the crowdfunding just as it was starting. I became the fourth person in New Zealand, I think, to crowdfund an album. Uh, and I, I mean, at first I did the crowdfunding because I wanted to raise money to be able to record but then what I discovered afterwards was that I was in fact building a community of people that believed ah, in me and it, that that was, the good far, that was the far bigger side of it than actually the money to record. Uh, so, you know, that, that was a very good part of it. And then I went on and did the same thing with the second album and, and this time I've done it again. Has the um, crowdfunding each time been uh, as successful? Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's petered down a little bit. Like, I haven't got as much financially, um, but I've got different people that have that have brought different things to the party through through funding what I'm doing. Um, and yeah, I guess it's you know it is building that community around you, and I, I think that's the thing that uh, once upon a time. Really, um, musicians were uh, was part of the community. You know, there was the court jester and all that sort of thing, and the the king's you know palace looked after the court jesters, and the jesters you know performed or the singers performed, and so the community looked after the musicians. The musicians gave gave back, gave yeah. out the music in return, and then the industry came along and turned it into celebrity. So it was one person that was famous at a distance from lots yeah. of other people that loved them. And crowdfunding and the internet and the independent music scene kind of brings it back to the musicians being supported by their community. So my crowdfunders advanced bought my CD and advanced bought crowd, but some of them bought oh, um, you know so, house yeah. concerts. They brought my CD ahead of it being made. Amazing. And so enough of them came together to be able to make my CD and then they get the CD and they've got their name in the CD. So when you open up the CD, there's a great big list of oh, names so on lovely. one side of the sheet and that's all the people that enabled me to make it. So they're enabling me to make it. I'm giving them music they like. It's very symbiotic and its relationship and um, yeah I, I can highly recommend that for anything that you want to do but you just have to be applied to it you can't just put it up and think it's going to happen for you you've got to work it I think sometimes um, people are turned off following their passion because of the dollars yeah and you know it's it is a big uh, so I can't afford to do that you want to do a course you can't afford to do that you know and having that um that that ability to yeah. crowdfund and have people who really love you support well, like, yeah. and, and you're giving them something for it. I've looked for ways to be able to get my music out there and um, I found that a really good way and also sort of cross-marketing as well. Like, um, for example, there were people in this crowdfunding campaign, um, there was a, a uh, an Australian-made natural underarm. I, I like natural products, so I like products that don't have you know, parabens and don't mm -hmm. have any chemicals in them. And um, they were making an underarm product. They gave me some of their underarm. They put in some money into my crowdfunder and then all 300 envelopes that have gone out with the CDs have gone out with a discount code that you can go to their website and buy. Oh, you know, so I did a yeah, cross-marketing. So, yeah. so I'm telling other people about their product. They're supporting me. And so th there was all sorts of ways that you could work together to uh, work with other little companies and other little businesses and things to um, cross-market and 
raise the funds to be able to do your art, you know. So you are a wonderful example of a woman who's following your dreams and yep. you're not letting age, you know, like to get up in front of an audience yep. at 47 when you wrote your album and again now performing at 57, yep. is, is, is it a wonderful feeling? It is. Um, I actually think my voice is actually better now than it was in its 30s and, and I mean, this is the thing with anything, no matter what you do um, in life, you apply yourself, you become a master of your craft. Mm-hmm. You know, it takes you, and it takes you a lifetime. It takes a carpenter or a, you know, whatever to whatever your job is, you become a master of your craft. But in this industry and in other industries, it still takes you years to become a master of your yeah. craft, but you're persecuted as soon as you actually get to age. Yeah. For your age. Yeah. And, yeah. I wonder if there are women out there that have thought, she can do it, I'm going to get up on stage. Well, I definitely know that there are women that have actually looked to me and gone, yeah, you know, I looked at you and and what you were doing and I thought, yes, I can actually do this. So that they don't have to be shower singers anymore. Yeah, yeah. Or actually people, uh, someone who was a friend who wanted to write a book, they, you know, they used me as their inspiration to to write a book that they'd wanted to do because they thought they'd never do it. And they yeah. went, no, you know, I can actually, she did that, she did that, I can do that. And some people have this thing in their head, this block that it's harder than they actually, you know, they, they think it's really hard to do. But the hardest thing is just getting started. Would you agree? I, I think that's the mindset. I sort of have the saying that it's only you that stops you being who you want to be. Like, so it's actually up to you to put yourself into that position and visualise and just do it, you know, rather than thinking you have to get rid of the I can't thing. Yeah. I can't has to be out the door and not in your vocabulary, yeah. you know. Um, to be able to do, to be able to follow your passion and actually live your dream. I have a little saying, I'm can-do Karen. Ah, I can, I will, watch me. Yeah. So instead of you can't, I can, I will, yeah. watch me. Absolutely. Don't tell me I can't, I can, yeah. I will, watch yeah. me. And, and yeah, and if somebody says you can't, then what I say to people is let that be the wind that fills your spinnaker, you know, let that fill your sails and drive you forward. So if someone says, oh, you know, you're too old, you can't be doing that, you're sort of like, well, that's all right. You just went and blew in my yeah, <laughs> blew in my puffed spinnaker. Up, and then you go, sails. thank you very much. You actually just puffed my sail forward and just gave me another little drive. Give me a little bit of wind. <laughs> so we're talking about being a wonderful example of women. Your song... Angel from Montgomery. Not my song, but a John Prine song that I recorded on the album. Um, it's a, it's a kind of a, written from a guy. It's a from a woman's perspective, written by a man. So it's it's quite um, and I think it's quite relatable for older women. The song. Well, you're going to play this live. I was going to play this live for you. So hopefully we've got our. Well, I little hope we've got. I'm just going to set that up. A, yep. Hope. Okay. Mother, my old man's just another child. 
The crowd claps. That was amazing. Thank you so much. How beautiful. Thank you. I love watching your face when you sing. Oh, yeah, I just get lost in it. It's ah. absolutely fabulous. But that's is that your passion coming through when you get lost in it? Well, passion and purpose? Yeah, well, the thing is, is that otherwise you just sing in it, you know. You have to perform it and get inside the song. And I think that... That song's very interesting because it was John Prine that wrote it. A man from a, a, a woman's perspective is just bizarre. Mm, yeah, but <laughs> he must be in touch with his feminine side, is all I can say. <laughs> yeah, not many are, are they? <laughs> I, I, I sorry, man. We shouldn't be I, like I, that. No, we're not going to be like yeah. that at all. I think there's many men in touch with their feminine side. Yeah, they absolutely. like to hide it though. Yes, yes, there is a bit of that going on. How important to you is passion and purpose in life? Oh, very much so. I mean, a life without, you know, passion and purpose is not not sort of cruising, is just moving along, isn't it? And I mean, really, 
like I said before, uh, getting to 56 and still being here when many haven't made it that far, I think it's really important to live life to the fullest and make the most of every day. And I, I learnt that at a very young age. I had something tragic happen when I was 16 and I, I mark it as the driver that drives me forth. So I lost a boyfriend when I was 16 who died mm. in front of me and it was a very young age but at that point I just went, that's it, I, I'm going to live every day like it's my last. Yeah. And I could... I could die tomorrow and I wouldn't have regretted one minute of my life. You know, I would have been happy with the way I lived it. You know, you, you just got to make the most of it. Yeah, you do. And I, I think some people get up in the day and they just get up and they really don't know what it is they're meant to be doing. Or, And I think helping people to understand that a purpose is so important. It, yeah. it is what drives you yeah. and and helps you be happy and, and setting those goals because, you know, you're learning when in your your young years you need to have a, have a goal, what are you yeah. working towards, but it's yeah. also as you age, it's also important to have a goal. Absolutely. It's really important to be, to be feeling good about what you're doing every day. So it might not, you know, it might not be singing or writing a book. It might be just going up to the local play group or something and working with the, with the kids and, and getting satisfaction out of doing that or whatever it is that you may That's get exactly. satisfaction out of doing. Just be into it, you know, to make the most of it. When you go to bed at night, go, well, what did I do with my day, you know? Yeah, God, give me a day. What did I do? Did I make the most of this day I was given? Put you know? 100% in, you know, because yeah. then you get 100% back. You know, yeah. that's the beauty of it, isn't it? it? Is. If you put nothing in, you're not going to get anything back. Yeah, right. And so there's lots of things that you can be doing to... Um, to, to get that fulfilment. And, yeah. you know, we often talk about charities and people that need your help. You know, there's yeah. so many people that think they don't have uh, something to give to others, but everybody yeah. has something. That's right. You know, everyone Every, has everybody does. a skill or, you know, something yep. that they can teach someone else. Absolutely. It might be small, but that yeah. small thing might be big to someone else. Yeah, exactly. It's, um, it's, it's really important to feel inspired and and um, I, and I think it's it actually probably leads you to live longer and feel better about yourself because you you know because you are fulfilled rather than feeling like oh, I've got nothing to offer and and, and you yeah, know yeah and yeah passion and purpose lead to fulfillment. Yeah, and I think you know it just helps fill your bucket. Yep, and that you mentioned before gratitude. Yeah. And it's another thing that, you know, these days people talk more about gratitude. Yeah. But I think gratitude is something that just saying three things every morning and afternoon and night yeah. that you're grateful for. Yeah, absolutely. Like grateful for being alive, for one, grateful for having a life and being here and yeah. like, you know, that's not something a dress to, rehearsal. It's no, it's not a dress. Life is not a dress rehearsal. And um, I think that you need to be thankful for that. And, you know, I, if ever I felt down, I just remind myself that I am here, I am alive, I have two limbs that work, I have two arms that work, and what have I got to worry about? You and know, that's the like, brilliance of this body, you know. Yeah. My legs walked here today, fantastic. They yeah. walked me here. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I really, I love talking about these things because I think that people um, need to be reminded yeah. It's not all about the material things in life that we are here no. that we we need to be grateful for just being here. 
Yeah. Do you know what I'm really grateful for today? What's that? That you two came down, Therese and you, and yeah. came to sit in the studio with me yeah. and sing me a beautiful song yeah. and that I get Thank to you. talk to you and find out what makes you tick. Yeah, no, it's, hey, it's, you know, um, I, I, I love I loved chatting about these things and um, I love to inspire and to feel that, you know, for me that's, if I find that somebody's listened to what I've done or looked at what I've done and it's led them to do, it's led them to be inspired to follow their own dreams and live, not actually follow their own dreams but actually live their dream, yeah. then that's, you know, that, that makes me feel really good. So yeah, and just taking and I'm that thankful sm- for that. Yeah, you know, just taking that small step forward. Yeah, and and doing it. You know, stop thinking yeah. about the well. How do I do this? Just plunge in, like yeah. the old saying: that's jump ex- in the deep end. Ex- You'll figure it out as you go. Exactly. And I mean, some people like to write a list of things, and you know that's okay. But to me, it's a waste of time writing a list. I would rather have smashed my way three quarters of the way through the list and the time that I've sat there and written the list. You yeah. know what I mean? Like I just plough in and do, do, you know. So when you go to Tassie, where are you on tour? Um, so go down there and play the Tasmanian Independent Country Music Awards and I'm doing a little house concert while I'm down there as well. Um, and I might even play a street market while I'm down there just for a bit of fun because there's a street market outside my hotel, I believe. And then coming back to Asquith to um, finish a re- Recording a Christmas song. Now, I came to Australia for five weeks to promote Caught in the Middle, the album. And then while I was here, we unexpectedly wrote a Christmas song. And so we've written, and I'm just halfway through shooting a music video for it. So that was never planned on the Where do you do the music video? Up at Esquith, actually. In the the studio. studio, In the studio with a whole lot of people. We're having a little Christmas when I get back from Tasmania. We're doing a little Christmas celebration, and we're filming it with a whole lot of us. So that'll be out probably the first or second week of November. We're going to have a nice Christmas song out. Well, something I read about you. Oh, you have been nominated for New Zealand Woman of the Year. Yeah. Twice. Twice. 2011, twice. was it? Yeah, in the arts, culture and heritage section. So that's just, you know, just inspiring. Another reason for us to claim you. <laughs> <laughs> just like Pavlova and Dragon. Um, but, but, yeah, so, um, yeah, just really um, – uh, oh, you know, I mean, it's great. It accolades are great things or whatever are being nominated for things, but it's more the actions that lead you to that first that's actually more important. So that was all just about inspiring other women to follow their goals with the crowdfunding and the things that I've done and working with kids and working with different things that I've done. A nomination like that must be very satisfying to... Yeah, it's kind of cool. You get to sit in a room of really inspiring ladies. That's that's you know <laughs> for the actual thing. <laughs> that part of it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. No. It. But you know, it says a lot about the work that you've done. Yeah. Well, I've done a lot of I've done a lot of voluntary work and run you know um, wine festivals and given money to things and yeah that sort of thing. Music for health and well being. Yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, well, that's really like the Uncle Jimmy thumbs up is working with the Indigenous kids. That's using a, a, a medium of music to get kids to encourage them to sort of eat good foods. And for seniors, they say learning an instrument, joining a choir. I'm, I've had a, a choir of women um, called the Sister 
the sister a cappello um, ah, barbershop quartet yeah. and I had four of them in here fabulous singing and it was like oh my goodness you know but how good these are all older women that yeah. a lot of them that have retired not all you know some of them have retired some not but they're, yep. they're in a choir and how great is it to be well, part of a choir there's quite a bit of that um, going on with the, um, the there was a film I've forgotten the name of it now but but it was a, an older people's choir and that set the line for that starting to happen and my girlfriend actually had a group of all over 60s that were in choir but they were doing like you know queen songs and like doing kind of modern rock songs in a um in a in a in a choir way and ukulele groups is another oh. thing that lots of people are actually joining and being involved in as over 50s and that's you know ukulele orchestras are fabulous well i've i've had a group of friends in they call them cuz we're swimmers they call themselves the sandy bottom band oh right <laughs> and they um they're ukulele and yeah. you know beat drum and, and a yeah. whole lot of them just got together with you because yeah. one of them sings and another one plays a keyboard and then someone else say oh I've got this I've got that and they all get yep. together and have rehearsals at home and they come along and they play for free at events that we have but what about the choir of hard knocks the fellow is it Melbourne and then he gets together people that are all sorts of problems in society. Yeah. A lot of them are homeless. Yeah. And they perform and become part of a choir and that how that transforms their lives. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Um there were, there was another girl actually on one of uh the next woman of the years, one of the the girl that won the heritage section that I was in, she took an over 60s hip hop group and she taught them hip hop and they went to the World Hip Hop Championships, and they were all ladies in their over sixties, and she taught them hip hop steps, wow. and they were doing hip hop dancing. So you know, all that sort of thing, and that that gave those people a ter- tremendous lift. You know, self esteem improvement. Again, sometimes being in a group like that, and it can be quite difficult for people over fifty or sixty, especially if they're on their own or have lost a partner. It's really hard to pick up after that um, and being in groups and things like that, choir it groups does. or ukulele groups and, and it, stuff can be a lot of fun. Way and to it also teaches you to work as a team. Absolutely. You know, this next song. Oh, it's probably Red Dirt Road Trip, is it? It is yeah. Red Dirt yeah. Road Trip. So that's the current single. So that's, that's um, of course, the album's been out two weeks now, uh, the Caught in the Middle album, and it's... Um, it's been on the ARIA charts and uh, it's currently on the New Zealand album charts and this is the first single and it's gone to number one in Tasmania and number one on the country airplay charts in Australia in its first two weeks out. So, An inspiration for it? Um, the red dirt, getting out across the red dirt. So uh, originally came up with the idea driving across the Hay Plain on the way to Mildura Country Music Festival. I know the Hay Plain. <clears throat> right. So I get, used to go out to Hay for work. Well, we go out there and we drive across the Hay Plain and we go, hey. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, we're on it. So uh, the Hay Plain. So, um, yeah, so that's a, a long road, as you know. Uh, and that's where I first sort of got the inspiration for the song and then took it back to Buzz and Kay and we, we finished it. Uh, so I've co-written it with them and it's just really about, you know, that same, that evoked feeling of being out in the red dirt and um, and also like getting along on those long straight roads, singing to songs that you know on the radio and, yeah. When you're the only person in the car and you're seeing nothing forever and, yeah. ca- well, occasionally a car 
yeah. zips past you, but not, and then you, you know, dodging galahs that are taking off, oh, and you yes. just go, oh no, they're going to take off. I'm going to hit one. I have, but yeah, you know, that's another yeah. story. And I just, you know, flocks when you, when a yeah. flock comes and you stupidly you you duck as it goes toward, and you think, yeah, that's going to do a real lot of good. I'm driving a car and I'm ducking. <laughs> it was just like an automatic reflex, but I yeah. know that road so well. Yeah, I must have driven it twenty times on my way to visit. Right, um, a business out there that I had wow. to look after uh, a couple of times a year. I'd go for quite a few well, years. Well, the funny so. thing was I wrote that song going out there and then this last Mildura Country Music Festival, which I played at, I discovered that Mildura is the Aboriginal name for Red Earth. So I'd written it on the way out there. See, so. We don't know half the meanings of these words. Yeah. So let's um, listen.
Welcome back. You're listening to 88.7 and 90.3, your community radio station. To find out more, go to the website rnb.org.au. Welcome back. I have Ali Cook in the studio today and she's a singer-songwriter from the other side of the ocean, New Dutch. Zealand. <laughs> yes, the Dutch. And she said Dutch. Dutch. <laughs> and we're going to claim her as ours. But um, So, Ali, where do you find your energy to keep writing? Uh, well, I just f- have always felt that songs come through me. So I've always felt that it's not... Uh, use simply kind of a vehicle for delivering the songs and when they come out really fast you really do feel like that because it's just like a flow um, of writing so I don't it's not a matter of an energy it's a matter of being open to an energy um, rather than needing energy to write you know I like that because when I'm tired I can't write a blog right there's nothing flows do you yeah. find the same with music? Oh, I think I think when you're tired, when you're trying to write anything, because I do work a lot on the computer, that's like you get to a point where it's like, oh, time to go do cabbage time. So I either go watch a television program or I uh, get put on a YouTube subject I'm interested in and, and just, just fall asleep to it or something, you know what I mean? Just, yeah, just yeah. log out at cabbage time where I don't think about anything. Yeah. I like go that. Through, I've not yeah. heard of it as cabbage yeah. time before. <laughs> cabbage but time. Yeah, you know. go, go be a cabbage in the corner yeah. <laughs> because you can't concentrate on writing anything anymore. But yeah. as far as the energy to write, I've always felt that that's, that's more like an energy coming through you than a than energy that you need to do. Mm. You, do you ever find that your thoughts are clearest about between the hours of midnight and 6am? That's when my thoughts come in and my my sentences. I, I definitely I am really well. finding as I get older that I need less sleep. I definitely find that. Like I don't, you know, five or six hours a night is plenty. Yeah. I need the sleep, but I just think I find that it must be because there's not much else in my brain at that time that I can form a sentence and it flows. I yeah. just wondered if it's the same with oh, music sometimes for you. you can get inspired, I suppose, um, when, you, when you're relaxed, I guess, yeah. What's the best thing for you about making music? Um, enjoying that flow and, and feeling, feeling like you've uh, – delivered a song that's that's come through you or being created in a room I, I love collaboration so I love writing with others so I like that flow that goes on and I particularly like to surround myself with people who are really good songwriters and so that you actually are lifting your game constantly so I've always looked to do that and what about the hardest thing about writing music and play, um, making music Oh, I guess the hardest thing about it is thinking that you're going to make any money out of it. Um, that's, yeah, <laughs> yes. That's, that's, you know, I mean, that's, you know, because you're not doing it for that reason. And I don't think you should ever do any art for that reason. Yeah. Because it doesn't become quality anymore or something. It's not like you need to be doing it because you love it and you're driven by it. And it's a great storytelling, yeah. you know. Yeah, not because, yeah, because you're actually bringing that creativity through you, not because you're doing it because you've got any sort of financial kind of goal in your head. Although it's nice to have a song, do something, or make a little bit of money out of downloads or whatever, but it's you can't be doing it for that reason or somehow it interferes with the quality of it, I think. Sitting here today, where would you like to see yourself 
in your 70s and 80s with music? Oh, still singing. You Good. Know, I'd like to, I'd like to I've be got a crystal there. ball. Hang on. Yes, I, you'll I, still be singing. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'd like to still be singing and writing songs. I, I, don't think that, I don't think that age should be a barrier to anything, you know, mm. really. I think it's, it's just – that's just a matter of letting yourself feel old and inadequate. You know, you have to be – you have to just keep doing, you know, and not let that get in your way. I've got – my mother-in-law's got a partner and he's 94 years old and he's out there chopping wood and out there doing and fixing things and, you know, and I said, what's your secret, Bob? How how are you so jolly all the time and, like, even though your body's tired, you still keep going? And he said, well, he's, there is a bit of the use it or lose it factor, so yeah, keep doing definitely. things. But he said, when I came home from World War II after being in Egypt and I saw that my friends didn't live, and this is a little bit similar from my own experience of seeing that person die at 16, he just went, I went, I'm never going to worry about anything in my life mm. ever again. Mm. And he decided he would never worry. And from 19 years of age, he's never worried. Mm. And he believes that that's what's kept him alive. Mm is that he just doesn't worry about anything. If mm. it's going to be worried, he just lets it go. I he think, just lets it go and doesn't let it, don't worry about anything. I think there's a po- an important point to make then. If something is worrying you, where are you still going to be worried about that? What will that mean to you in a week's time? Yeah. How, how big Will that or be in a week's time? worrying about it going to fix it's, it? No, it's not going to no. fix it. But if you are, you know, people out there are, some people are worriers, they're natural worriers, and, you know, they have to find a, a, a mechanism to stop themselves. It's, yeah. It's not as easy as that's some not, of us think. That's not healthy for you. No, being it's Being worried not. and being uptight about things is not healthy for you. Well, look, you know what? We have run out of time, and I was going to ask you a couple more questions, but I'm just looking and going, no, we haven't got time. We've chatted for ages. Oh, I know, and I just really, really, I'm just looking down my list of questions to think, is this to see if there is anything that we've missed out? Is there anything you think we've missed out on? No. Not really. I just, I just think that that whole appreciation of being here and not letting yourself get down. And if you get down, just, just looking and remembering the good things that you actually have. So no matter what you don't have, focus on that. You know, I, I people see the cup as half full, and I just see it yes. as overflowing on a constant basis. You know, like see it as really full. See it as lucky. You know, yeah. you're not a starving child in Africa that's got no food. You're not. You know what I mean? It's just you've got yeah. so much to be happy for. And we've grown up, you and I, in an era as baby boomers where we were running around the streets and terrorising and having a great life and um, and we didn't have phones. I remember no. the first phone we got. I yeah. still, I, I say sometimes I still know the phone number. Yeah. But, you know, then a phone call, you know, if we were my – we wouldn't have used the phone once a day. You picked it up to make and you know, to organise – going to dinner at your auntie's place in two weeks' time was really, you know, you yeah. didn't use the phone like we are so connected these days. And I think it's a really – yeah, we I had do. more time to smell the roses and I think now we need to stop and smell the roses. Oh, I think we do. I, I, I do worry about the world going forward with – well, I try not to worry about it, but I do think about what the impacts will be 
on this generation. I yeah. mean, just being on the train today, looking around the train. Was, was there anyone the just looking out the window, admiring the scenery, or did they all? Yeah, me. <laughs> I, yeah. And I... So I was just looking around the train going, wow, there's nobody on this train that's not looking down at their at phone. a screen. And it's, I know, stuck on a screen, living on life through a screen. Yeah. I yeah. just find it almost so absurd, what but we all get caught up. What will the eyesight be of the people that have been born now? What will their eyesight be like after staring at a screen? I think there's from, a lot of things we don't know. Yeah, I think it'll be interesting to see what comes from that. Well, good luck in Tassie. Yeah, thank you. And thank you so much for coming in today. It's an absolute pleasure. I'm, like I said, I'm really lucky and very, very grateful for you giving me an hour. Thank you so much for having me on the show. I really appreciate it. Well, to the listeners, uh, see you next time. Um, hang out for the podcast and the radio program when it comes up. So for now, cheerio. Bye. So this is it for today's program. It's time to say cheerio to the wonderful Northern Beaches community. Join me next week for another episode of Ageing Fearlessly. And now for a song written by Nick Howard, especially for the listeners. This is Karen Sander. Have a fantastic week. And remember, ageing is inevitable and growing old is a choice. The sun is shining bright outside There's a sparkle in your eye It's not all nine to five It's a wonderful life Let's go and climb mountains high Swim across oceans wide Let your heart be alive